You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 24. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to record a podcast. It's a beautiful, beautiful day today. It's finally summer, and I'm loving the sun. I went for a really long bike ride today for the first time, uh, took a really significant bike ride. So that made me quite happy, and I'm excited to record this podcast for you today. So hopefully you'll enjoy this subject because it's one of my favorite subjects. The subject is conflict. Mm, I love me some conflict. That sounds really strange, but people that know me know that I do enjoy a good fight. Not a physical fight, but I like the debate. I enjoy the back and forth. I enjoy the collaboration, the resolution. I have that harmony personality. When we talked to Bridget about the Myers-Briggs on one of the previous podcasts, my, um, I think it is my driver, is harmony. And so I really enjoy getting a couple people together or a group of people that have a disagreement. And I really enjoy getting them on the same page. I don't mind if it gets a little heated. I don't mind if there's a little bit of uncomfortable uh, things going on during the conflict. But the thing that really gets me excited is when you can come to some kind of a resolution that makes everybody happy because that is where the gold is. And that's why I wanted to talk about this today. Conflict is such a scary thing to a lot of us. And I really think if we learn to embrace it and enjoy it, we can be so much better human beings and also do a much better job in our practices as owners, as veterinarians, as bosses, whatever your role is in the practice. If you have interactions with any human, at some point you're going to have a conflict and you need to know how to handle that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's get started. So let's start with difficult conversations, because when I say conflict, we all picture this big fist fight and people yelling and screaming and crying. And conflict doesn't necessarily have to mean that. Conflict can just be a simple disagreement. And that is something that a lot of us can't even handle. And I'm concerned about that because it's something that we have to do so often in our work in our life. We have conflicts all the time and it's more of the difficult conversation piece that we're thinking about, not necessarily, you know, a knockdown drag out. So let's start with that. And with difficult conversations, we want to be sure that we're avoiding verbal aggression, which is so easy to slip into. We get defensive, we want to be right, that kind of thing. So we can get very verbally aggressive. And that's not how you want to conduct yourself when you're having a difficult conversation. Let's say that you are outside of an exam room and there's a client there that's upset for some reason. And you may not even know what that reason is. 
And so the first thing that happens is your body kind of goes into panic mode. You start to get a little nervous, your heart beats faster, you get a little tense, your brain starts to throw all these scenarios at you that it could be, it might be this, maybe they're upset about this or that, and you just start to get tense and nervous. And that's the first thing that you have to control is you have to be able to get your brain in a proper space for a difficult conversation. You need to be able to wrangle that primitive part of your brain in that's telling you that this is going to be scary and awful. If you can get yourself to the place where my brain goes, like my brain tells me, ooh, it's a conflict, this might be interesting, or what if it gets really ugly? Mm, I wonder if I can fix it. That's kind of what I, where I go when I know that there's going to be a difficult conversation. It doesn't mean that I don't get nervous. I still can because I want to be on my on top of my game. I want to be engaged and I want to be a really good listener. I want to be open. Um, so I have to be somewhat engaged and tense in my body but not to the point that it's going to make me aggressive or defensive because the worst thing you can do when you're going into a room with an upset client is act defensive because as soon as they smell that blood in the water, and believe me, they will, if they know that you want to fight, that they will fight. So the most important thing that you need to do is work on getting over that difficult body posture of being defensive and and trying to um, avoid the conflict. Because the first thing that you'll do if you go to an, into avoidance mode is you'll get defensive, and then you'll be verbally aggressive, and that just doesn't work. You need to, when you're, when you're getting ready to go in there, you need to think about what could be the problem so you're prepared without overthinking it so you're defensive. And that sounds really difficult, but in reality it isn't. If you are confident and you know that whatever comes your way, you can handle it. And a lot of times it's just a matter of going in there and not saying anything because sometimes the best thing you can do is just listen when you're going into an exam room um, for a difficult conversation. You need to go in there without defensiveness and in a calm fashion with a calm, calm body language. So not crossing your arms, not holding your fist in a tense manner, not holding your face tensely. You know, the best thing you can do, walk in there and smile because that will automatically disarm them, especially if you're very welcoming. When I have a client that I have to go into an exam room with that I know is upset for some reason, you know, as long as it's not somebody died, obviously, if some, some pet died or something happened, um, something very sad to their pet, you can't go in and smile. But if it's they're upset with the receptionist or they're upset because it took too long or whatever the, the conflict is, as long as it doesn't involve death or dying, you can smile. When you go in the room and give them a warm greeting and say, hi, how's it going today? What can I do for you? And you're super friendly. They're going to have a lot harder time getting ugly with you. And they will. Some people will but it's going to be more difficult. If you can keep your cool, you can be calm. And if it is a very um, sad situation and you have to show some compassion, do so. 
you know, walk in there with kind of a sad face and I'm really sorry this happened and what can we do for you to try to make this right? And sometimes you can't make it right, but at least you can be compassionate and listen. So the first thing you want to do is prepare yourself. Don't feel tense. Don't feel aggressive. Take some good deep breaths before you get in there. Walk around the hospital a couple times if you have to. Like I've walked around, you know, inside the hospital, but taken a quick walk back and forth a few times just to kind of get my energy under control because you know that feeling when the receptionist says, Mrs. So-and-so is mad and she's in exam room three and she wants to talk to you. The first thing you do is tense up because you don't know what's going on and why is somebody upset? Why are they angry? I'm a, I'm a nice person. I didn't do anything. That's where your brain goes right away. So you got to get that under control before you go in. And so if you have to leave the client in the room for a minute or two to get your own stuff together, then do that. Take some deep breaths and strike one of your power poses. I'm going to talk about that one day on the podcast, power posing. It's something that Carlene Bellier from one of my other podcasts uh, taught me along with uh, Amy Cuddy from her book. But anyway, do a power pose. Take a deep breath. Get ready and prepared to be kind and be open and listen. And then that will help you be less defensive and not look aggressive when you walk in the room. Then when you get into that difficult conversation and you go into listening mode, because that's the best thing you can do, is say, what's going on today? And then really shut your mouth. Try not to say anything. Try to let that client blow through everything that's in their brain. It's going to be really hard not to interrupt because they're going to say things that you know are not true. But let them go through it and really show that you're listening. Show some concern. You can even take notes. You can um, write a few, jot a few things down so they know that you're really trying to get the whole story. Really let them get whatever they need to say off their chest and give up that primal need that your brain has to be right. Because we do. We have this need that we always have to be right. And you have to give that up. When you're in a difficult conversation, there's no right and there's no wrong. If there's no right and wrong, then you don't have to fight. And nobody needs to win in a difficult conversation. It's not a win-lose proposition. It's a win-win or a let's all be satisfied kind of thing. So if you give up that primal need to be right, then you're not going to go to war. And that's what we really want to avoid when we're in a difficult conversation is that going into fight mode. And when I say I enjoy conflict, it's not because I like to fight, although (laughs) I sometimes do. Um, Sometimes I do enjoy a little fighting. But when you're with a client, you can't. So rein that in. Save the fighting for somebody that really loves you and that won't hold a grudge. But um, give up that right to fight and that right to be Um, that need to be right. Um, You've got to be willing to be wrong and it'll work because helping people become right, if you can find a way to make that client right in some way, is much more productive than trying to prove them wrong. If you try to prove them wrong, you're going to lose and that's not what you want to do when you're trying to resolve something with a client. There's this thing called Miller's Law that I studied when I was getting ready for a presentation. 
and it was a theory of communication by George Miller. And it basically says, in order to understand what another person is saying, you must first assume that it is true and then try to imagine what it could be true of. And when I first read this, I was a little confused by it because sometimes clients say things to us that we know are not true. Uh, They'll say, you know, your receptionist was rude to me, or um, they'll say something that's blatantly untrue. Sometimes it's really difficult when you're in a conflict not to argue with them because you know that it's untrue. But what Miller's Law says is that you need to assume that what they're saying is true because it's true to them. You don't have to accept that it's true. You just have to assume for purposes of the discussion that you're having that it's true. And then when you try to understand why it's true for them, then you can gently guide them towards a discussion of how you're going to resolve the disagreement. And I do this a lot with clients. And before I even read this law, um, I kind of did this naturally where I would listen to them and I would commiserate with them and I would write down all the facts as they know it because I wanted to try to understand where they were coming from. And so if I can truly understand where their brain is, even if the story is totally different from the story as I know it, then we can start to kind of whittle it down and work towards the real truth and what we can agree on. And that's difficult, but you can do it if you remember that fighting is not the goal. The goal is the resolution and the goal is the harmony. You want to keep this client. And sometimes we go into these discussions with clients that maybe we really don't want to keep. I've had a few where I really wanted to fire them. Um, Not very many. It's been very, very few people that I've had to fire over the years. But um, most of these clients we want to keep. And so if it's just a, a small, difficult conversation or a small conflict that we have to go through in order to keep them, then we really want to do it. It's worth the energy because clients are worth a lot of money over the course of their pet's life. And whether you want them because you want them and you love having a lot of clients or you want them because you want to make money, either reason is a valid one. So whatever reason works for you. If the money reason works better and you think of them as money and you want to retain them for the money, that's great. And if you think of the relationship piece of it, which is kind of where my brain usually goes, because I'm not usually as focused on money, then I go to the, the relationship part of it because I, I, like I said, this whole conflict harmony thing is right up my alley. So when you go into the room with the client, the first thing you're going to say then is tell me what happened. Let them talk, let them spew whatever they have to do. If it's anger, if it's frustration, whatever they have to do to get it out and know that you're listening because that is going to go so far to disarm them. And then mentally put yourself in their shoes and really hear them, truly listen to them. You're probably not going to get that same consideration. They probably aren't going to listen to you as well as you're listening to them but you got to deal with it. I mean, this is part of your job. And to me, it's an interesting part of the job and enjoyable in most cases. But if it's really difficult for you, then practice. Practice with some of your team members. See if they can do some scenarios with you so you can practice listening and hearing and then 
considering the other person's point of view before you go into problem-solving mode. You need to take full responsibility for this conversation. You need to take charge of it. So once you've listened, tell me what happened, put yourself in their shoes, really listen, get all the facts. Then you want to talk to this client about agreeing on the facts. We have to simplify this whole big story. They're going to tell you a big, ugly, huge story, depending on the size of the, of the situation. You know, it could be something really simple, like they came to pick up their medication and it wasn't ready. It could be something that simple, which to me is a cakewalk, or it could be something really ugly, like they lost their pet for an unexpected reason, or they didn't understand, or they're upset about money. Sometimes it can get really heavy. But you have to be the one that takes full responsibility for the conversation. You have to be the one that stays calm. Once the whole story is out, then you're going to go into your active listening mode where you ask them questions to clarify. So if I heard you correctly, Mrs. Smith, you came to the hospital today to pick up your medication, which you thought was going to be ready by one o'clock. And when you got here, it wasn't ready. Is that correct? And so just go through each little fact of the scenario and make sure you heard them correctly and make sure they know that you want to understand. Ask them active listening questions. Repeat what they said to you and make sure that you truly heard them. And then make sure you, you both agree on the facts of the story. Make sure that you're understanding exactly where they're coming from. And you can even commiserate a little bit with them. You can say things like, oh, yeah, I understand why that would be frustrating. I totally understand where you're coming from. You, you can say that without admitting that they're right. You can be on their side and join their team, so to speak, so they know that you're really listening. Now, if it's something that puts you in the spot of not defending your team, if there's something that is going to throw one of your team members under the bus, then definitely don't do that. Don't go there because you really don't want to be in the spot of making your team look bad. You really want to support your team. And if they did make a mistake, you want to admit it. You want, you want to be honest about it. I'm really sorry that happened. I'm, I'm not sure why that happened. This receptionist is usually right on the ball. I don't know what happened, but I will be happy to fix it for you and we'll get it straightened out as soon as possible. So get all those facts out. Then once all the facts are agreed on, and maybe it's only two facts if it's a simple thing, maybe it's going to take you 20 minutes to get through the facts and get it narrowed down. Now, if the client is lying and you know they're lying and you have proof that they are lying, Sometimes you can indirectly steer them into that truth. And what I'll oftentimes do, it usually happens when a client calls me up on the phone and they're upset about something another doctor did or said, um, or a technician did or said, and they want to talk about it and I wasn't there. And so the best thing I can do is really study the record so I know exactly what happened and maybe even talk to the people that were involved in the story so I have the other side of the story. And then I have better um, questions to ask this client. The questions that I'm going to ask the client are going to be aimed at getting the facts straight because we have to agree on the facts 
in order to work towards a solution. In a scenario where we're in a room with a client and there is a disagreement or a conflict, then we have to work on solutions. And sometimes that isn't always going to be our ideal solution. We want to keep that client and sometimes we are going to have to give a little and um, we're not going to necessarily win or lose and we're not necessarily going to get exactly what we want. The client may not get exactly what they want either, but we're going to work really hard to create a solution that uh, makes us a, makes it a win-win or makes it not a win-lose proposition and ultimately ends in the client being somewhat happy. You're the winner if you can agree on a solution that prevents you from losing your client. We need to do all these things. Listening well, getting the facts, restating the facts, and then agreeing on solutions with the client. And most of the time, I would say a good, oh, it's got to be at least 80% of the time, I come out with a relatively happy client. And probably more than that, actually. You know, you remember the ones that didn't go well, that, you know, the client leaves and they're still upset or, you know, you end up losing a client. But if you can get them to the point where they feel like they're very well listened to and that you really care about them and you want to solve whatever it is that they're upset about, you're going to get a long way. And that's really what it's all about. Getting to the end of a good conflict just feels fabulous. And these steps you can take in any situation. If it's an argument with somebody at the store or something simple even, um, just you disagree with someone on something. If you can make them feel listened to, if you can remain calm and not get defensive, if you can give up your need to be right, if you can control that fighting part of your brain that really wants to just come to blows with, you know, somebody like me that's super competitive, that is really tempting to go down that road. But you also want to be able to come out on the other side with people that agree to disagree or at least agree on how we're going to move, going to move forward. And sometimes it's just that. Can we agree that we're going to take these action steps in order to move beyond this and move forward and get over it and create some sort of harmony? You can do this when you're working with somebody that's in your employee. I use the example a lot of somebody that gets to work late because that's one of those things that happens a lot in practice. And it's really sometimes very, very difficult to work through. And you don't necessarily have to agree at the end of that conversation. So it would go like this. You have an employee that comes to work late. And our rule at work is that you can come to work late, I think it's twice in a month, and not really get penalized. But if you come to work late three times in a month, then you get penalized. And so and our rule is on time means you have to be there on time. If you get to work five minutes after your start time and it happens occasionally, that's probably not going to get addressed very strictly. But if it's anything past five minutes, you're going to get a talking to. And um, 
And so this is the way this would go. If you had someone in your practice that was constantly late, or let's say they came to late work late four times in, in two weeks, because that's beyond our standard, you would have a conversation with them and you wouldn't get all uptight. You would stay relaxed. You'd ask that person into your office because that's where you want to have these conversations. And you'd basically just ask them the question that we talked about before is, can you tell me why you're late? You've been late four times in the last two weeks. Can you tell me why? And then you just listen because that person's going to come up with all kinds of excuses. Well, there was traffic and there was, you know, my dog didn't eat or my cat puked on the floor. And they're going to have all these reasons why they're getting to work late. And it's your job just to sit there and listen and don't get defensive and don't get aggressive, but let them explain all the reasons that they've been late and give up that right to be right. And basically what that means is assume that what they're saying is correct because maybe they did have a cat that threw up and maybe they did get stuck in traffic. And so assume that everything they're telling you is the truth and then embrace that truth and then restate that truth to them. So, okay, so you're saying that on this day your cat threw up and that's why you were late and on this day you ran into traffic and that's why you were late and you, we all agree, or we both agree, because now we're going to get to the facts. We are going to agree that you arrived late to work four times in the last two weeks, correct? And hopefully that other person, if they're at all reasonable, will say, yes, that's what happened. And it's for these reasons, right? And then, yes, it's for all these reasons that they gave you. And so now we're on the same page. We both agree that that person's been late four times. We both agree that they have reasons for being late which doesn't necessarily constitute an excuse. That's not something that we have to accept, but we get to listen to it and assume that it is true. And then we're going to restate what our truth is. You know that working here means that you have to get to work on time, correct? And you know that when you're not getting to work on time, that it affects the rest of your team, correct? So now we're agreeing on all the facts. And then once we get those facts down, now we have to decide what the solution is. And you can decide that. You can either dictate it or you can let that employee decide. And what I like to do is let them decide, okay, how are you going to remedy this? How are you going to fix this? If they go back into excuse mode, well, my cat vomited or whatever it is, that's irrelevant. You need to decide how are you going to conduct yourself differently so if your cat does puke in the morning that you have time to get here on time. And they get to decide, I'm going to set two alarm clocks. I'm going to get a, up a half hour earlier. I'm going to get my clothes out before I go to bed. I'm going to pack my lunch before I go to bed. Whatever it, they need to do to get to work on time, because that's non-negotiable. That is not part of the negotiation. Here's the rules. These are the rules. What we're trying to resolve in this difficult discussion that we're having or this conflict that we're having is how are we going to set the boundaries so you get to work on time? So when this person decides on what the solutions are going to be, then you as the employer gets to say, okay, then I'm telling you that if you don't get to work for the next month on time within our guidelines of our, of our rules, then this is what's going to happen. And then you get to decide what the consequences are. 
Maybe it's I'm going to be written up. I'm going to get a second chance. Or maybe it's just that you're not going to work here anymore. And it can be that tough. But you have to set that boundary. That doesn't mean that that you didn't resolve the conflict. It's resolved. But it's resolved in a fair and kind way so this person can correct the behavior rather than you walking into the office and yelling at them and, you know, why are you late all the time? And you really want to be able to have these difficult conversations and stay calm and get to the bottom of it. That's what it's all about. That's what's the beauty of having having conflict. And that's why I like it so much. Because if you can get somebody to come to work on time that previously wasn't without firing them, that's awesome. If you have to get rid of them, then that's their choice because you gave them all the opportunities to correct their behavior when you gave them the boundary and you gave them the rules, then that's all on them. I don't have to feel bad about that, but I can feel good about the way I approached it. Same thing with the client situation. I want to feel really good about how I approach the situation. If the client decides to get ugly and yell at me and doesn't want to talk or gets defensive or aggressive, it's my job to remain calm. If they get totally out of control, it's my job to draw a boundary and perhaps ask them to leave the practice, but I can still do it in a calm way. Most of the time with most people, if you're reasonable, if you don't get defensive, if you stay relaxed, if you really listen to them, if you really seek to understand, that's super important is that understanding where they're coming from and assuming that what they're telling you is true and then try to agree with them on what the facts of the situation are and what can we do to move forward. That's my favorite question. Even if clients are getting ugly, I understand you're upset. I understand that this didn't go the way it was supposed to go. There's nothing we can do in the past to change it. What can we do moving forward to make this better for you and your situation? What can I do as the owner of the practice or the veterinarian in charge or the person with the power, because you are the person in control, what can I do to make this better for you? And if they say nothing, then maybe there is nothing that you can do to salvage that relationship. And you can still handle that in a calm manner as well. But most people will give you something. They may say, I want all my money back. And then it's your job to say, well, that's not possible. Um, And then maybe some negotiation comes into it. But um, just getting them to get their feelings out is going to go a long, long way into making your relationship with that client, with an employee, with anybody that you're in conflict with better. I just want you to enjoy you think of me when you go into a conflict. Think of somebody that really enjoys that and sees it as a challenge because it really is a fun challenge if you look at it that way. And I'll help you. So let me know if you need help in that department. Thank you so much for listening to this today. We're going to talk about this again because I really enjoyed the subject and I've got a lot more information on it. Um, but I think that um, we've talked about enough today. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave me a review. It really does help other people find the podcast and help them um, get to know what we're doing here. If you have any suggestions for what you'd like me to talk about, 
if there's somebody you'd like me to interview. I know I've done a couple of interviews recently and I really enjoy that. That's a lot of fun. Um, so if you have any suggestions, send me an email. My email is jacapeldvm at gmail.com. You can go to my website, juliecapel.com, and leave me an email there. I do have a weekly words that you can sign up for on my website as well, uh, where I send out a little um, short kind of blog type uh, subject on Wednesdays for everybody to read. It's very short, just a little email giving you some words of encouragement. So if you're interested in that, go to my website and sign up for that. I um, also write a blog every week. So look for that on Blogger or you can go to Facebook and find that. And if you have any suggestions for any of that, leave them for me. I'd really appreciate it. I'm always looking for ideas. I'm really excited about all these things that we're doing together and trying to make this profession great for all of us. It's exciting. Thank you so much to my son, Tristan Capel, for doing the sound editing and the music for me. I know that I frustrate the heck out of him because I'm constantly changing my microphones and sound. So please be patient. It's not his fault. It's mine. We're trying to work that out. Uh, but thank you, Tristan, for doing that. And thank all of you for listening today. And I will talk to you next week. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Bye. Bye.